Hello, how's it going? Hope you're well. Thank you for hitting on the button. Ed Draper here, sports broadcaster in the UK. Welcome to Sport and Life. Thank you for being here. Thank you to the sponsors as ever, Bang Olufsen of Cheltenham and Serene AV, who are specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands, providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations housed in the courtyard in Montpellier here in Cheltenham in the west of England. But look out, B&O underscore Cheltenham on social media look up the website, get in touch with Jason Briggs and his fine team. Also, thank you to Cytoplan for their ongoing association with the podcast, food-based supplements, so digested as close to food would be as possible. That's the idea. My father's worked as a consultant with them, Dr. Mark Draper, for a couple of decades. We've taken those supplements for a couple of decades, still pay for them, and we can share a discount with you via the podcast if you go to cytoplan.co.uk c-y-t-o-p-l-a-n.co.uk discount code at checkout is draper10r my last name d-r-a-p-e-r all capital letters the numerals one zero and the capital letter r and don't forget we're so intent on helping you enjoy life we've teamed up with the whole man academy and arranged for some lucky listeners to get a 100 percent free mentoring session with anthony asprey by the end of the session, you'll be much clearer on how to tackle any issues or challenges you're going through, especially if you ever feel stuck or not exactly where you want to be in life. Five sessions to give away each month. Act fast and schedule your complimentary session using the link in the show notes. Anthony, a former guest on the podcast a couple of times, most recently in April, so check that out for more information. Now onto the podcast. Great catching up with Dave Brickell, fantastic footballer at Loughborough University. He went the academic route, worked in finance and trading after leaving West Ham's academy at under 16 when he couldn't pursue his A-levels and pursue his football dream. But he's done really well for himself, now working in cryptocurrency and get his take now as fascinating on what money is how it works how we can make more of it and how uh, investments work and everything like that and the state of the economy in the uk so really good to catch up with dave Brickell. here he is dave Brickell, welcome to the podcast brilliant to see you you look very well Thanks, Ed. Yeah, good to be here. It's been a while. You've grown, you've grown your hair. Most of us have grown your hair, and you've grown it since uni, so that's impressive. Yeah, maybe midlife crisis, maybe. <laughs> that's good, but, but how is, how's life? Very good. Yeah, very good. Um, career change for me, I think, in the last sort of two years, um, which has probably gone with the long hair. <laughs> it's a move, move from sort of working in traditional sort of banking and finance, um, now working in a crypto tech company. Um, so, so how does that is that like the media going from BBC to a new YouTube channel or something? Is that the, the yeah yeah? It's probably quite a good comparison. Yeah, yeah. probably quite a good comparison. Um, I mean, there, there's there's massive similarities in terms of still very much kind of market investment focused. Mm. Um, but yeah yeah, working fast paced tech environment, uh, new products, um, and you know a whole new industry that's kind of building. It feels kind of like where I guess tech was in, in 2000 um, so it's quite yeah it's an exciting thing to be a part of we were just talking about sort of reflecting on playing football together at university and before that you were really promising football at West Ham under 60s mentioned playing with Joe Cole amongst amongst others but how do you reflect on the decision to sort of go this way because I remember meeting you at what 18 19 and you were very much fascinated by economics there and you'd worked in a bank I think in your gap year do you sort of do you miss being part of elite level football or how do you how do you look back on things yeah, it's, it's interesting. I mean, when I look back and think about some of the, some of the guys I played with who, who went on to make it very successfully, like John Terry, Joe Coles, mm. those guys. Um, you forget Terry was at West Ham, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and, and sort of grew up you know, through Sunday leagues playing with him. Um, I mean, he, he was at Semrab, right? Um, mm. They had a phenomenal sort of Sunday side. Um, Bobby Zamora, and, you know, guys like that all, all played yeah. there. John Terry, Paul Koncheski. Uh, Ledley King, you yeah. know, they all, all played in this amazing Sunday team. But I, I look at those guys and kind of think that was all they had. Football was everything to them, mm. and, and I had other things that I was interested in. Um, one of those things being, you know, academia, I guess, and um, and doing quite well at school. Um, so I, I kind of look back and think, you know, I, I've had, you know, obviously we Loughborough together, which was was a great experience. Um, and I, I've loved sort of parts of my career. Um, I think so, some of the regrets, if I look back and think, well, A, you know, the not, not 
not giving things a, a better go in terms of football. But also, and, and we discussed um, the idea that maybe you could have combined both, like the love of yeah. sport and football, and then be, being more involved on the business side of it. Yeah. And I, I'm not sure now why I kind of didn't think about <laughs> combining the two. Because I've seen others and, and friends and stuff who've kind of done the two Like quite financial officer or something, would that be the, the place? Y yeah, like, a, a, like just, just kind of apply um, a, a finance type education, if you like, into the world of sport. Now, be, yeah. that, be that as um, some sort of financial advisor to, to footballers and in around the area, because I think a lot of them probably need some, <laughs> some financial advice, or, or, or be it, you know, as an agent or, or something commercially within the game. Um, but to, to, yeah, there's, I think, lots of avenues um, that you could have perhaps used business and commerce and, and applied it to sport and, and used some of those contacts in the game and what have you. Uh, to make a career, but here we are. <laughs> what, have you, what have you made of football's explosion financially? Because you think it almost feels like it's insulated from financial challenges at the moment, but then ultimately I always remember that it does come down to the man in the street paying for his ticket, merchandise, and or subscriptions at Sky Sports, BT Sports. You know, we're, we're reliant on that as well, and ultimately they have to be able to afford that as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's a difficult one, because like you say, it's, it still feels very much like a working man's game. But, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's incredibly expensive. I mean, you know, I, I feel for families now trying to take their kids to the game. And I know clubs like West Ham have done, you know, certain things to make it more accessible, but it's... Pro the price of beer at the London Stadium is a big talking point, isn't it? Like, <laughs> yeah. fans, I know they hear that. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. Because West Ham don't set the prices there either. Yeah, and, and it's, I mean, it's for, for most families now, it's just, it's, it's too expensive to, if you've got a couple of kids to be taken there. So I kind of think that's, that's a big shame um, and the downside. On, on the flip side to it, the game is more exciting than it's ever been, I think. Mm. Um, you know, the level and, and the quality of the talent is just, just phenomenal. And I, and I know some people will hark back to, to the good old days of, of, of how good the game was, and, and, and it was. But now, like, these guys are like athletes, and mm. it's like, incredibly exciting to watch. It's just that lack of accessibility. I think that's a, that's a shame now. Do you think the focus, the intensity of that focus and the need to rest and recuperate outside of it would have frustrated you in, in, in time though, that you wouldn't have had that intellectual stimulation? Not to blow smoke up your backside, but you clearly were. <laughs> if I remember Pete Batchelor, who you mentioned was a friend of ours that played football and he, he remember him saying to me something about how he was in classes with you and you were pr proposing like Brickellian economic <laughs> theories or something <laughs> about yeah. sort of mass, mass economic issues and stuff. So you clearly were wanting to devote energy that way. Yeah, and, and, and maybe ultimately that's why I didn't go down the, the you know, pursue the path of football. Um, maybe I did need, you know, uh, that kind of intellectual stimulation. But then again, maybe, maybe you find it, you know, yeah. um, in, your, in your own time to kind of follow sort of paths that you're interested in. Um, and, you know, I still do that now. Like, um, you know, I'm very, very kind of interested and some might say obsessed with like the concept of the power of the mind. Mm. Um, and so, so when I'm not sort of looking at markets and thinking about that, I'll spend a lot of time reading around that and just trying to understand sort of human psychology. Well, visualization and things like that. Visualization, yeah, and just, um, I, I'm actually quite into like the spiritual aspects of it as well. But, mm. but yeah, like the, you know, I, I'm kind of interested in what makes someone successful. Yeah. And, um, you know, and a lot of it comes down to mindset. And you know, I mean, you, you've, you've sort of interviewed and spoke to lots of successful athletes and, yeah. and sportsmen and women, and a lot of what differentiates them is mindset. Yes. And I, I think that's interesting because mindset for me is something that everyone can kind of work on on developing. If, yeah. it, if it was purely a case of well, I was just talented. It was as simple as that. And mm. you know, what can you do with that? But in all of my experience, it's often not the most talented that go on to be really successful bit in sport or business. Well, you mentioned that football, mentioned some of the names that you felt weren't even, well, not even, but weren't necessarily elite or standing out at your age group, but went on to have really successful careers. Yeah, and, and it, it's amazing. and Because Paul Konczewski, you mentioned, was struggling to get in the team at under 16s at West Ham. Yeah, I mean, he probably won't <laughs> be the same, but, but you know, he, he say we, we had a great side um, and Paul was left wing, I, I played left back. J Lloyd Samuel, um, uh, he's alone along with us, unfortunately, but he, um, he was left wing and, and Paul wasn't getting inside. I mean, Paul was a good player, but, um, you know, you look at the Joe Coles of the world that were just 
a level above everyone. And even Bobby's more actually, I, I look at him and growing up, just yeah. like a phenomenal talent. Paul was just a good footballer who just worked hard, but he, he had such a single-minded focus on becoming a footballer. I don't think he, he gave himself the opportunity or the, you know, the option to, yeah. for it to be any other way. And it's amazing to me that the people I know in life that have not given themselves a way out, um, they've, they've found a way to get through and, and achieve that. Yes. Um, it's like the story about Napoleon, right? Um, <laughs> used to burn the boats, right? We'd go and invade. Yeah. He'd burn the boats behind him. So there was, there was no way back. It was, we were either going to be successful here or, or we we're going to die. And it was the, the mindset of as soon as you start, if there's a potential to retreat or go an easier route, mm. you might take it. And I've always been fascinated by that concept of just, yeah, that, that power of the mind and, and what that can achieve. Courage versus folly as well, isn't it? This thing of like, you have to be brave, but sometimes you don't want to be reckless and, and go in and burn your boats and then you're just yeah. in the middle of nowhere with no, nowhere to go. Yeah, but, it, yeah, and, but so, much, so much starts with a belief that, that you can achieve something. Yeah. Um, we were talking earlier about um, some of the, the sort of boxers you've probably sort of interviewed and yeah. you know, that, that, they're always interesting, right? Because the mindset and the, to be a boxer and to get in a ring is, is, is phenomenal. But the, the one thing that I always hear from a boxer say is like, you know, like a, a lot of the fights won before you've gone mm. in the rings. It's, it's, it's a mental game. Well, one of the reasons I started this podcast was to try and pass out those aspects, partly mindset, actually a lot of mindset of the lessons that ex-athletes can teach us or people when we play sport, what we can learn. Because I think something I learned from just kicking a ball in the back garden was, oh, you get better at it over time. You can juggle the ball, you get, you know, simple things like that. And when I was a little boy, I loved doing that. And actually that, you think, oh, so in everyday life, you're rubbish at something generally when you start. But there are things that you can tell that you will get better at. And other things, like for me, you could never lay brick because I'm just rubbish <laughs> at that kind of thing. I can't focus. I've got attention deficit disorder or whatever, I don't know. But things like that that require focus, I wasn't great at. But I thought, oh, these sort of things I can, I can improve on. What's interesting when you speak to athletes, and they've clearly been successful, and particularly in the mindset arena, is whether they can then apply that to other areas of their life when the career ends. Um, I think that's easier maybe sometimes for people who haven't been financially set after they finish because I think that's more challenging then because you're trying to stimulate yourself in different ways you don't need there's not that wolf at the door whereas I think some people play league one league two football even rugby union in the premiership there is a need to go on to a second career and I think perhaps that is a is a is a clear and present motivation but it is interesting whether you can and, it, and often we see it don't we in sport the discipline maybe is imposed from outside so people put on weight when they retire get really unhealthy end up having heart failure like 15 years 10 years after you think how can an athlete end up like that but there are players and sports people who who kind of lack that after they finish for whatever reason they don't have anything to put put that mindset into but i was reading a book by ryan holiday it's called the modern stoic and it's he sort of talks about self-discipline and something i think is is harder when you get out of professional sport because those people are very sent focused it's when you combine that with the realities of a more complicated life you've got kids i've got a daughter you've got a mortgage you've got you know your financial health your physical health you've got all these things because like for me it's because he talks about some people just won't get off the couch and i've got any discipline but the other problem is people find it difficult to sort of regulate themselves to go burn out and i think that for me is you know i want to be healthy but i don't want to spend three hours a day in the gym because i easily could do that sort of thing yeah, yeah so that's 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 interesting i think as you get older life gets more complicated in a way doesn't it yeah and, and i kind of think it's 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 a challenge it's important to kind of again you know talk about visualization and stuff but to to have an idea of what you want your life to look like mm. and then formulate a strategy of how you get there um, again, like thinking about that concept of uh, an interest in, in the power of the mind, like I kind of think if you're just going to go through life, um, and, and don't get me wrong as well, it's quite nice to, to you know, just be in the moment yeah. and, and not think too far ahead. But, but You always need to be as well, don't you, to get, to have the vision, but then you need to be, to execute, you have to be in the moment, so there's a tension there. Exactly, and I kind of think if, if you don't know where you're going, you'll, you'll end up on some random path um, and you it's difficult then to kind of complain about it because yeah. well, I never set out on a particular path. And I, I kind of think you need to, to kind of visualize how you want your life to look. 
Um, and I, I actually think schools should 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 do a better job at yeah. this because we, we come out you know we come out of university and can you know, cook <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and then also it's like you know just go and get a job or do yeah. what there's no kind of thing well how do you want your life to look you know yeah um, well financial literacy none of, I barely know now all, know. all these things right so I kind of think you need to be able to have an idea of what you want your life to look like. Um, and you don't have to know the, the, the what, you know, necessarily, but, you know, what kind of lifestyle do I want to, do I want to lead? Um, do I want to be fit and healthy? Mm. Um, you know, would, would I like to be sort of financially more secure? And, and then, you know, ha- have those kind of broad outlines and then kind of think, right, strategically, how do I go about like, getting it? What can I do today? Yeah. Um, and, and kind of being in that moment. Now, when it comes to sport, if you play football, it just feels a bit more obvious in terms of how you do that. You know, yeah. you're going to start a new new season. We want to win the league. That's right. The first thing we do is is let's get running. Let's start training today. Yeah. You know, and, and all these teams go back and, and they'll probably work on their fitness. Now a lot of it's ball work as well with the fitness, isn't it? It's interesting yeah. how that's changed. Yeah, and and then they'll start working on the areas that you know the weaknesses they've got. Um, and, and different coaches for different parts of it. Well, I don't think life needs to be any any different. It's just mm. that we don't we don't think of it as consciously, or we're not talked to. Um, yeah. Whereas when you're you know, a boxer training for a fight goes into a, a training camp, and it's very structured because they know what the goal is, what they're trying to achieve. Yes. And they often then, shut out. They stay away from family. Those concerns. Yeah. School runs. There's, they're not in that world because they are zero focus yeah and and I, I kind of think if you ask a lot of people a lot of adults now you know what what, what do you want to achieve where do you want to be in 20 years time mm. most most haven't even thought about it no and I think now like at, at 41 I realise like how quickly life does kind of go yeah. um, the last know, 10 years have you found the last 10 years in particular I don't know because yeah. we're saying 41 so it's a, yeah and, and particularly having young kids um, I, I don't know if it's going quicker because of the kids and, and we spoke, spoke earlier that you see you've got markers yeah you've got markers and that, you know half term comes around really quick and then it's you know Christmas and then it's like they're you know, like four inches taller than they were last time you looked and yeah and, and you, you kind of see their development milestones um, and you, you kind of live it through that a little bit you know I, I kind of feel from 25 to late 30s you know even to now things don't change a huge amount mm. a bit greyer yeah I would, say, I would say less hair but <laughs> I've got longer hair um, but yeah so, so, so life kind of goes and I mean you talk about the financial aspects of things like um, it takes planning um, mm. and it, it, it's interesting because obviously being being involved in finance and investments and stuff and then you know people will talk to me and say right you know, how do I get rich like you know what's the get rich uh, you know, <laughs> scheme and I kind of the, the answer is actually quite boring because I kind of think well I think you can you can move towards you know financial freedom or financial security but it might take you 20 25 years to what, get what's there. the first step is it saving money so you've got a backup I think saving and, and investing yeah. um, do, do, do you need a certain pot in case you get fired that you have to then give you freedom to invest or do you invest from the, the get-go I, I think um i think there's a saying about pay yourself first yeah so and and, and i'm conscious as well you know people on different levels of salary yeah and, um but for whatever your level like just start off paying yourself first so whether it's the first 10 pound a month goes into my savings account that mm. i invest like make that 10 pounds because it because life will find a way to spend it I think because um, Warren Buffett, I think, says it depends on your psychology, but some people would like six months in the bank before they start investing so that if worse comes to the worst, they get laid off, they can then live without yeah. thinking, all oh, my money's tied up in investments. Yeah. But, you know, a lot, a lot of people don't even think about that, right? You know, mm. they, they live from month to month, paycheck to paycheck. Um, and I say it's not, it's not easy, I, I know it's not. But again, if you don't start to think about it and have a strategy in place, um, because then as well you're, you, you start spending things without thinking about it. Mm. Um, and often our costs, although there's a huge spectrum of salary, very polarised, there is, our costs are often proportionate to our income or should be, shouldn't they? So there is a sense that you could in theory say proportionate, because often I know a lot of people who might be earning a lot of money but actually their outgoings are proportionate, they're actually struggling more than someone who's on 20 grand a year because they've just not figured out what their outgoing yeah. goings are. Well, well there's a great book called uh, Rich Dad Poor Dad by mm. Robert Kiyosaki. I haven't I read it. If, if you, so it's, it's a really good book. Um, 
and he, he described, so he, his rich dad was his, his friend's dad who, who was an entrepreneur and, and had lots of money and basically built assets and yeah. his poor dad was his dad who was, was, was actually a university lecturer but being where he describes poor as being like stuck in this rat race um, and he describes this process whereby you talk, you know, go to school, get a good education, get a good job, so you, you do that and then you get a good job and that's going well then you meet someone and you, you, you get a house together meanwhile you, you know you've, you've got promoted at work but, but now your expenses have just gone up and then work's going well you, you get promoted again and, and then you, you have kids and then you want a bigger house mm. so all the while your income's going up you're more stuff you, you're getting more stuff and, and your outgoings are going up and then you're at no point are you actually building wealth you're mm. forever stuck and leveraged to that salary and you're, you're stuck on the, in this rat race um, and he talks about, you know, again, building assets and there's a balance to be had, right? Because you, there's a certain, there's a certain base level that we all kind of need, you know, a roof over our heads and a certain size, but you need to get to a point where you go, right now I'm going to save a proportion of my income mm. and invest it in something that actually starts to return me, yeah. return me an income. And, and investing as well, I, I, I kind of like to differentiate between saving and investing. Because if you're saving and just leaving it in a bank. Yeah, you're kind of losing you know, money in a sense. Yeah. Well, and, it's, not, it's not as bad as spending it, but it's... it's no, yeah. but it's uh, like people don't, don't see how corrosive inflation is over mm. time. Um, and, and you see it versus other assets, right? If you had had 100 grand in the bank, you know, 20 years ago, um, and you buy your house outright almost in lots of parts. Yeah, of and, and now if you go right now, now that hundred grand left in the banks, I know may say, let's say it's with interest, it's now one hundred and ten grand, and now all oh, right, now that house is now worth six hundred grand. Yeah, you know, um, so you, you, I kind of think you save it, but save to invest, and I, I still think there's, and particularly from a very sort of working class background, there's a, a massive risk aversion of mm. you know investing. Is, is risky in some way, and it can be. Um, but I kind of think there's there's kind of I won't say safe ways because like any investment, like you can lose you can lose your capital value. But you know you, you need to realise that money in the bank is is losing that in a way mm. given inflation. And you know ult ultimately you want to look for areas that you can invest that. So that could be just in. a safety net, and then you need to look beyond the safety net once you have whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah, yeah, exactly, and. Um, you know, there's various sort of ways of doing that. I mean, the first thing I'd say to anyone is like, you know, have you got an ISA? Mm. And are you putting money in an ISA? Cash ISA. Um, well, investment ISA, investment yeah. ISA, yeah. And you know, you, you get things like, um, you get funds like um, Vanguard do a life strategy fund, like, mm. uh, again, varying levels of risk, but like- and There are things like Nutmeg now, aren't there online, which you give them money and they sort of tailor it to your risk. Yeah, you know, Kind yeah. of aversion. So, so you, you can go kind of low, like, like say my kids' ISAs, I've got them in quite high risk stuff, right? Because high risk, high return, but there's a long time for it to play out. Mm. If, if, you're, if you're getting older and towards the end, you, you want to come, come down yeah. this, the, <laughs> so the risk factor. You don't want to start gambling. Yeah, because the capital preservation at that point is, 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 is much greater need. Um, and you've not got time, you know, when, when we go through dips like, we've, like we're in now in mm. difficult markets, you've not got time to make that back up. Um, so salaries are difficult, aren't they? And it's interesting because I was talking about earlier about the transition I make because all my life as a journalist and presenter, it was like you have to be self-employed, you sign short-term contracts. And with that, I learned to kind of put money aside because you get the money, you figure out what your tax is going to be, you speak to the accountant and you sort of work things out from that basis. As soon as shifting to salary, and A, salaries are harder to get increases, I think, because for my job title, there's a slight tiered system, but it's opaque. It's hard to discern mm. what, what that is. And a lot of it's subjective amongst our bosses. But you realise that suddenly you start pegging salaries to, to everything. And I've got a small mortgage because when I, I was self-employed when I got it. And they could only give you a small mortgage. So I think that was a blessing in disguise in a sense. But you realise that, oh, yeah, people get, you get car payments, you get mortgage payments. And suddenly that salary, you know, most of it goes in the first week of the month. And you have to be, it's interesting that, isn't it, the system? And obviously what you think you get looks like a good salary on paper what is the net income per month and often I think we don't even talk about that as, as what real income is. Yeah, yeah, no, and it's, um, yeah, I, th I think it's, you know, you've, you've hit it on the head and it's amazing, you know, in the, say pay rises I've had over time and, um, and I, I don't feel like my lifestyle has changed but somehow I've mm. got no extra money from it yeah. and, and there is an element of there's, you know, 
say the, the, the tax implication of you know the, the more yeah. money you're earning but also yeah you, you kind of your lifestyle rises to it which is why I kind of say look pay yourself first mm. because then once once the money is sort of out the door and the savings then you know what you have account, to then yeah you know what you have um, and I, I, I also think as well like uh, kind of a, a there's such a, a kind of I don't want to say toxic element to society, but where where we kind of everyone wants to compare to one another, mm. and yeah, you know, we go back to like lessons from sport, and like the one the one thing I always remember my, my dad telling me, you know, playing football was like you know you'd be sat in a, a dressing room and this this guy I'm, I'm hearing you know uh, Man United are after this guy <laughs> and and everyone's got a story and and I remember my dad saying look just focus on yourself and your own game that's yeah. that's all you can do right. And I kind of think of that in life, and but I think there's, and particularly with social media and all these things now, there's people looking at other people's lifestyles mm. um, and kind of wanting to chase their lifestyle, but they don't really know what kind of underlies it. So someone who's driving that big car look, looks impressive, but they might they might have massive debt on that, and they don't yeah. really own it, and it's actually costing them a fortune. Well, I think the car thing's interesting. You see that every day in life. And I remember speaking to Michael Duff, who I mentioned, played for Burnley, was Cheltenham Town manager till recently now at Barnsley and he said about he knows players who were wearing 700 pounds t-shirt who he knew were getting 700 pounds a week and he's like this is not you're not a Premier League player you shouldn't be getting these accoutrements yeah. living up to that lifestyle and you look around you in the town and you think hang on a minute they're driving a brand new Range Rover what what payment are they paying on that and what job are they doing to this you sort of think some things don't add up and you think actually you've got to work out what adds up in your life yeah and and, and know what you like I mean it's fine as well if you if you love cars if that's your thing um, then you, you go you know you might get enough utility and satisfaction out of that um, for me and particularly as I probably get older for me it's about lifestyle yeah and um, I mean we spoke about my my sort of career earlier and you know going from from being on a trading desk you know sat there 12 hours a day now for me the drive is to want flexibility in my life to spend mm. more time with the kids you know, I love now that like, I get to take them to school some, some mornings. Do you feel healthier now being away from that desk? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and, and yeah, and, and now my kind of goals are, you know, particularly when you're young, you come out, you say, let's just make money, make money, mm-hmm. make money. And now it's, you know, money's, money's still important, right? It gives, it gives, it allows certain lifestyle. How do you define money? Because we talked about this before, and it goes back to belief, isn't it? Because the whole thing is underpinned by us believing in it. Yeah. Um, how do I define money? I guess it's, it's a medium, uh, um, a medium through which we store and exchange value. Yeah, and energy people have equated it to. As yeah, well. and energy, and I'd even now go go as far to say as technology. But yeah, it, it is an energy, right? And you're exchanging your energy of work yes. in exchange for someone else's energy and, and, and value. So if um, it sort of it replaced trading apples for shoes or whatever it used to be yeah but 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 when we think of money and and you know this thing that so many people worship there's no real inherent value in it it's just it's just a medium through which we exchange value um we have to believe in it and sort of be confident in it and trust that someone gives us money that it means something that it means something um and we probably take that for granted right in in like the uk where i mean (laughs) Maybe uh, it's being questioned at the moment, but you know we have institutions that are, are trusted and, and respected. Um, but you know you, you see in countries where that goes and where that trust goes. Um, you know t- Turkey, it's happening now, right? Mm. You know the value of the currency is sort of collapsing. Um, you know it's happened obviously in, in Venezuela and, and all these places. Um, and to some degree, you know, you're looking at sterling now, it's, you know, it's falling quite sharply and, mm. um, you know, questioning what, what the government are doing and, and these trusts and, and what, what her new economic plan is. So is that affected by emotion or thought, anxiety? What, 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 because you, you, it's interesting that, as you say, in where the relationship is between what's actually happening to the currency, which is kind of a made up construct, yeah. and then how it's affected by events but also the media coverage and pronouncements of politicians how the whole whirlpool works together yeah i, I mean I, I think when it comes to currency there's there's a supply and demand element and mm. everyone wants to call the end of the dollar like that's, that's in, in markets that's always a popular discussion is this the end of the dollar and as being like the world's reserve currency but there, there's 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 always a supply and demand dynamic and you know be, because the dollar is the world's reserve currency you know, there's a lot of debt that's issued outside of the US in dollars. Mm. So, so when you have an event 
um, like we had in, in 2020, um, you know, the, the scramble becomes for dollars and the, the underlying demand, uh, but people kind of short dollars when they owe their debt in dollars. So like dollars always got a supply and demand dynamic that's gonna generally make it quite strong. Um, so there's those things, but the confidence is huge in, in, in currencies, in markets, in, in economy, in terms yeah. of how, how things perform. Did you moment, feel that when you're trading, was it like emotion would sweep through the room that would suddenly change the dynamic? Yeah, and, and it's funny, I, as a, a macro economist and a macro guy, um, for me, like narratives drive a lot of things. Um, mm. So when, when you know, you, you'll get a lot of more sort of data focused economists who are trying to predict how things are going to work, like, or, or and particularly like, you know, what trade's going to be a successful trade. For me, a lot of it comes down to like a narrative. Mm. And, you know. So why politicians say, make America great again, because almost that gives people optimism, which then yeah. fuels the economy. And it's just a narrative. And narratives change quickly, right? So, you know, right, right now, I'd say the narrative around the UK is obviously we, we, we're suffering alongside Europe with the energy crisis. Mm. Um, we, we've, got, we've got inflation that we've got an aggressive central bank trying to address, but there's a narrative that would say, okay, you get rewarded for that with a strong currency because you've got a, a central bank trying to do something quite credible. But the narrative right now is, okay, you're, you're just inducing probably a, a deeper recession at some point. And then you've got these trusts coming along saying, right, here's our economic plan. We're gonna cut taxes and, and things to stimulate growth. Now the narrative could be, right, you're gonna stimulate growth. This is good for the economy. This is, this yeah. is good. And, and that could be a sterling positive. But it depends what Right. Idea wins, is that? Yeah, and, and, and right now the, the fear is you, you're going you're gonna to just send the country deeper into debt. Mm. At the same time, the Bank of England are hiking rates and, and putting everyone into recession, which will then you know, kick off this vicious cycle where recession breeds more debt um, and, and your policy is going to be quite blunt in terms of stimulating growth. So that's the narrative right now. Are you okay for time, by the way? Because I know it's coming up to midday. Yeah, yeah. yeah. just to yeah. check. If, I know yeah. no one's knocked on the door in a meeting room at the moment, so that's, that's good. I guess we'll, we'll carry on. But that's, so where, where do you go from this position of sort of low mood and low optimism? Is it messaging or is it economics? Because you're looking at the like macro side of it. Is it that we need to encourage people to, to work, to be happy, to spend? Yeah, do, do, do you know what? I, I think you know, we, we go through these cycles, right? Um, and uh, you know, was it um, Stuart Rose who, who wants to be you know, people get fed up with being fed up? <laughs> and, and I kind of think we, we do reach that point. Um, I think there's a natural ebb and flow to like economic cycles. Um, we, we do talk ourselves into recession and, yeah. and that's a confidence thing. You know, I'll, I'll hear of people stop going out and stuff because, not because their personal situation has changed, they're worried about yes. what they're reading and right, I, I better, again, I better put some money away now. They then contribute yeah. to the problem in a yeah, sense. Yeah, and then it comes to fulfilling. And then, and then the headlines die down a bit and, and then things, again, that, that magic of confidence is, is it's huge in sport and it's huge in the economics and, and in life and, and how these business cycles run. But it's funny how sort of I kind of consider myself confident in certain circles of life with money. Maybe if my nan was a bit like this, maybe it's a genetic thing I got from her, but it's the kind of thing I want money in my pocket. I don't want to kind of give it out too much. And I look at things and think, hang on a minute, that's, this, this mortgage is huge. They might offer it to me, but you know, this, I could make the payment now, but what if the interest rates, what if, you know, go up? So I've got that kind of inbuilt caution. Um, but where, with debt, how important is debt? How good is it? Bad? Mixed? What's your view on debt? Debt, debt for the right reasons can be, and used in the right way, can be good, right? It's like debt is what's kind of powered growth of Western economies. Mm. Um, and like debt, debt when it's spent on things that, you know, um, you know just, just for day-to-day -day lifestyle, you know, at some point that's got to be paid back. Now, if you've got debt that's been used to, to buy an asset yeah. that is going to maintain a level of value, return you an income stream and all those things, then that's where debt is good. But you, you need to almost think of it as a balance sheet. If I've got a debt, have I got an offsetting sort of asset mm. that kind of comes with it? So, like, you know, if you look at mortgage debt, again, I, you know, there's an element of that which, which I would say as long as you're not too stretched on it, you know, yeah, mortgage, because the asset 
that you kind of have to offset that is, is obviously the, the value of your house and then obviously that can go down but but we've sort of grown up in a weird period of as i understand it low interest rates which you mm. speak to people from other generations they're like they remember paying 16 17 percent on mortgages if we, if we got a little bit blinkered in that and maybe the mortgage companies even have forgotten about what would happen if the rates go up significantly yeah and, and we absolutely have and i mean this is why you know, part of my kind of economic thesis, um, I, I still think we'll be stuck in this low rate world because as soon as, particularly in the UK, we're so leveraged to the housing market, our economy yeah. is it's such an important part of, of the economy that as soon as rates start to rise and you get problems in the housing market, then growth quickly falls and then the Bank of England are back to having to cut rates again. So I think it's going to be really difficult to escape I also do you think prices need to come down a little bit generationally just to be more in tandem with salaries that I think they do I think they absolutely do and I think this is part of the issue Ed, because I think it's the right thing to do but then politicians central bankers panic when it starts to happen yeah. so we kind of want we want this housing affordability and the moment we start to see house prices correct everyone goes into a state of panic um, I already seen Liz Trust say let's um, cut, cut stamp duty, right? Which, on the one hand, you go, well, that's great because it's going to make housing more affordable yeah. when you purchase a house. But on the other, it just it's just going to inflate house prices more. Yeah, because is it, does it come back to the mortgage companies? How you say the, our economy is so tied to it? How important is it for mortgage companies to really think about the rate that they will offer? Because I understand it used to be two and a half times a salary, and if you're a married couple, it'd be two and a half times a man's salary, half the woman's salary. This is back in the 1970s, because yeah. there was a prediction that household income would drop. Whereas now it's like potentially five times a person's salary, which just seems a lot of money. Yeah, and, and, and it's again, it's just banks doing it on the assumption, and, and obviously we see in 2008, they got those assumptions very, very wrong, that, mm. that house prices will, will continue to go up in value and, and maintain a value. So, so give it to people who weren't working. Yeah, and, 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 um, and who, who probably couldn't afford it. And I think that's probably why bankers get a bad name. <laughs> and it's reckless, but it's, it's interesting when I, when I discuss, certainly if I, like with, with you know, people from my dad's generation and say about, when I say, look, I don't think interest rates can go up much more. And they'll point, you know, to the days when they had double digit interest rates. But again, it's like, yeah, but you have to think in, in context of the leverage that you had. So double digit interest rates, if you've bought a house, that's twice your income. Mm. Um, whereas now people are, are getting mortgages that are five, six times their, their yeah. income then the impact, the marginal impact of that interest rate rise is, is huge. Mm. And I do worry that given... So who can stop the interest rates going up? Is that controllable? It, it'll happen because we'll be in a deep recession. That demand impact and the lack of demand will bring and tame inflation. Mm. And then central banks will be back to cutting rates. Um, listen to this, it's a bit like other people's opinions in a sense in a sort of economic construct arena isn't it I'm trying to think talking about us all being moved like friends of yours who have still got good incomes but curbing their spending because of perception that the mm. wider noise around it how much in life and finance do we have to think about what we want to do and what's right for us and what matches our income our salary and not sort of I guess fluctuate wildly like the sort of the media narrative can yeah well again I think when I look at people in, in life that are successful, it's those that can most successfully drown out the noise mm. um, and break away from the crowd and do something different. Um, you know, there's a saying like, millionaires are made in recessions. <laughs> so while some people in, during a, a recession are battening yeah. down the hatches and, and fee feeling very fearful, there's others that are looking at opportunities that it provides. Um, so you're better to buy a house than a dip if you can. So, so you know that that's probably the time to buy it. But but human psychology is such that you know you feel more confident when everyone else is confident. Sort of group group mentality. Yeah, and and obviously like now myself being involved in crypto, you see that on a on a exaggerated basis in terms of you know, everyone sees it as this get rich quick thing. And and I, I do think there's you know potential exponential returns. So, so what, to be what made is crypto? crypto? Is it an international currency? So. It's a bit Bitcoin. It was was the first crypto graphic currency, right? That was designed to be a currency um, and a store of value, a decentralized, trustless form of currency 
an exchange. So decentralized means it's not tied to a bank. So yeah, so in the current system, we have centralized authorities, right, that, that are responsible. So I make a payment to you, mm. you know, the central, the banking system will debit my account, credit yours, and we trust them to a payment because otherwise if I say, well, I'll give you the money tomorrow, we won't maybe trust each other. Crypto came along and actually in response to the, the 2008 crisis, where you had like banks in Cyprus bailing customer deposits in, mm. so your, your money that you thought was safe in a bank, the bank said, well, no, actually we'll yeah. take that. And then you guarantee to a certain amount now, don't they? Yeah, 100,000, right. Um, so, so in response to that, it's like, right, we need, we need um, a decentralized system that's not dependent on anyone. And essentially what Bitcoin is, is the decentralization is, is a, a computer network yeah. where you know, and they call them nodes that are validating the, the transactions within the system. Um, so it's like a, um, uh, um, so it's almost like a public ledger basically. So that records the transactions, but the recording of that is, is done by this decentralized network. So, so that was where that kind of came from. Then, then crypto, and that's actually my interest, obviously. But you had to use conventional currency to buy Bitcoin. Is that yeah, I mean, that was your on-ramp and off-ramp, right? Yeah. To, again, everything needs a, a form of conversion. Although, you, you know, you've got crypto miners, Bitcoin miners, that essentially they're solving a, a complex sort of mass equation to, to be able to validate the network so is that like, and in return get paid a Bitcoin. They're like they're mining Bitcoin. So the miners, are, are, is it sort of like printing banknotes, but in a digital way? Yeah, they, they essentially when they validate the network and they do the proof of work um, to, to, to earn the right, and it's obviously energy intensive to validate the network, they get rewarded with, um, with a Bitcoin that they've mined. Is that similar to computer programming? Is it validating yeah, it, a network? Exactly, yeah, exactly, yeah. And it, that's all it is, it's just a load of computers and, and it's about computer power to do it. Um, but but the, the whole thing with, net, uh, with Bitcoin was the idea that because this currency debasement and the value of fiat currency, the value of sterling being able to buy you less and less because mm. of what central banks are doing, increasing the money supply. So yeah, cost of housing goes up, but it's not really that housing's gone up, it's actually the value of currency has gone down. Mm. Um, because that actually the inherent value of a house hasn't increased. No. Um, it's just the value... Well, that's why you look at the house and think, oh, it's a rubbish house, but it's 800,000 yeah. pounds, and you're like, what? But it's actually because of, because of bank, central bank and government policies, the value of that currency is worth less now, and it buys you less. Mm. And kind of Bitcoin was a little bit in a response to that. But then what, what it's done, is it's been programmed to have like a limited amount of supply, so that um, we'll mine, there's 21 million Bitcoin, that's only ever going to be mined, and the rate at which you can mine it, the difficulty rate, um, like every four years, they halve like how much can be mined. Mm. So, so you kind of in, you've mathematically imposed a limitation on the supply element, um, and and I, I guess you could compare it a little bit to gold, like digital gold, um, in terms of you know gold. There, there is still a limit, limited amount yes. of gold um, that can be mined. Um, it's sort of difficult to mine. I guess Bitcoin for me is like that for the digital age, and it, it, it's kind of removing mm. the need for a central authority. Now that's Bitcoin, and then. Wider crypto kind of builds on that. So Ethereum came along, mm. and so what's that like? Dollars versus pounds, is it? Or? Yeah, do, do, the best way I think about crypto because I, I think the concept of Bitcoin is difficult for someone to mm. understand. It's like this made-up currency, but then it goes back to what is currency and, yeah. and the question you asked me earlier. It's just a medium through which we exchange value. And what does it hinge on? Is it belief? Belief, confidence, and yeah. that network effect. So, so does crypto require a tipping point where? Yeah. Every, every Joe blogs in the street believes in it. Believes in it. And, and there's a thing called like the value of a network is, is dependent on um, what they call Met, Metcalfe's law. So if you think of a telephone network, so if, if you and I are the only two people that have a telephone, yeah. okay, we, we can speak to, to one another, but it's not that valuable. It's like the 90s, you got your first break. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then you, you add one more person, and then basically the value of that network grows exponentially because if we add one more person who has got a phone, mm. now all of a sudden there's two of us. That, that originally can, you know, can have the network, and then there's me and the other person, so that's four, and then you and the other person, so that's six. So just by adding one person, you get this exponential growth in the value of a network. So I, I think like kind of Bitcoin's gonna be like that, um, and it's the same with currency, right? You know, the dollar's strong because 
it's used globally. Mm. Um, whereas you know, you, you, you sort of even you go to some Caribbean countries, like they'd yeah. rather have dollars than than like their own currency. Yes, um, because it's sort of, we collectively believe yeah. it, believe in it. But but what, what's quite interesting, Ed, like so so then crypto, this idea of like decentralized um, systems. For, for me, when I think of it, and actually kind of Web3 is probably an easier thing for people to understand, this idea of, so if you think of um, things like you know, Google and all things, they're, they're kind of Web2 um, and they bring a lot of utility, but all the people using them get no, no, no economic value out of it. They're kind of the product, aren't they? Yeah, sense. they're the product. And the value accrues to a centralized body. And it's, again, your data's owned centrally by be it mm. Facebook, be it Google, yeah, AWS, Amazon, um, these guys. Facebook, yeah. Th this Web3 idea is, is about having these communities whereby if you spend your life in that community, you'll also be able to benefit from, from being a part of that and being a part of the network. Mm. And I think that's kind of one of the exciting things about crypto. There's a great, there's a cryptocurrency called Chili's. And what Chili's do, um, it, Chili's is the, the token that powers um, uh, basically fan tokens so I don't know if you've heard of fan tokens in sport I think so, I have yeah I'm not sure yeah so a, a lot of like like you know uh, Barcelona Paris Saint-Germain you know some big football clubs I think Arsenal Man City they've, they've all sort of signed up to have these fan tokens and what these what these fan these tokens do these non-fungible yeah yeah, yeah, they can't, yeah. And, and, and what they do is they it's give like digital you digital drawings kind of thing so, so that, that's kind of another thing yeah. as well, but it, it's not too dissimilar. But what, what these fan tokens do is they give you, they give you certain rights around like your football team, like naming mm. rights of, of, of a stadium maybe, or you know, to choose a kit. It'll give you discounts um, you know, when you go to the games and things like that. So the, the, the idea is that owning the token will give you benefits. But if, if, you're, if, you, if you live your life at West Ham and you're going watching games and you're spending you know, we talk, talked about the price of a pint at West Ham. Yeah, yeah. But if you can get Seven discounts pounds, think, and all yeah. that, then, then increasingly you might go, right, I'm going to put more of my, my fiat, my sterling into, I'm going to own more West Ham tokens, right? And then as the value of, of West Ham Football Club grows and you're spending a lot of your time mm. with those tokens that you own. So it's like a discount become, card, but you've got a discount card everywhere that you yeah, go. Yeah, and where it's almost like another form of another layer of equity. Um, that's kind of the idea of it, where, again, you, you, you'll benefit from being a part of that network. Mm. Um, so, it's, yeah, it's, it's a really interesting concept. There's, um, I think we're at you know, very the early stages of it. How, so how some things are going to work, some things aren't, um, but it, it's exciting. How do you feel about online versus physical world and the sort of, you know, the virtual reality concept? Do you, do you feel comfortable with it? Do you, do you like nature? Because it's sort of sometimes you sort of... You, this almost feels like intellectual mayhem, doesn't it? Chaos. Yeah, I, Joe, Joe, I, I think it's like all technology, right? It's, it's undoubtedly improved our lives in many, many aspects, mm. but also um, it, it can be very disruptive. And, you know, you think of online bullying and uh, it's probably led to a lot of mm. depression because ultimately as human beings, I think we need in human interaction. We need to get outside and experience nature. Yeah. So I, I, I think it's just... And you, found, you said you found that more being removed from the trading. Yeah, said yeah. Was, I mean, that doesn't sound that healthy to be at desk as well. No, it doesn't. And like now, like, you know, for me, you, know, you talk about what the lifestyle that I want, you know, for me, I live in Leon Sea, down by the beach, walking my dog down by the beach, nice. um, you know, every day if I can, and, and doing that. Where did you grow up? Were you in? Um, so not far from there, in Upminster. Okay. So we, we, we just moved a bit bit further out. Yeah. Um, and yeah, and again, like lifestyle-wise, and to bring up a family around there is important. But I, I, I guess... And Essex is magnetic, isn't it? People from Essex, it's like, you can't, <laughs> yeah. can't, can't, can't get away. Yeah. I, I look at where you live and it, it looks like beautiful. Well, it's at the side, yeah. It's funny, it seems like another world. It's, I think there was a rapper who mistakenly went to um, V Festival and it's called Chelmsford, Cheltenham or something like that. So it's kind of, uh, Chelmsford being in Essex and Cheltenham in the west of England. And by people probably like Australian-American standards, yeah. they probably think they're like next door to each other. When you've got London in the way. Yeah. So like, I always thought... Because I was born actually at Mile End Hospital in East London. My parents lived in Hackney at the time, but a lot of my family is from West London. A lot of them moved out to the west side of things, the Cotswolds. And actually, it's just interesting how it sort of like my perception of I could never live East London was like I'd have London in the way to get home. <laughs> so it's, it's always been like lived in London west side and then you'd kind of move out yeah. that way. But yeah. obviously not 
like I say, compared to a lot of countries, are not a million miles away. But it's yeah, it's just nice having that countryside. And I do commute a lot, and obviously that's got um, a financial cost lately with the, the fuel prices and things like that. As I sort of try and work out the electric thing as well with cars, do I go? go that way but it's I think once you leave you probably found that as well I know you lived in, in London I because you lived in Bassett because we knew someone from uni I think Sarah who I think was a girl at uni is my next door neighbour I met up with and said that you lived around that part of Battersea as well at one point I remember no 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 did you not live in Battersea no, no, no I thought no. Maybe you did but um, but yeah I don't know if you found that but leaving London it's difficult to imagine coming back it's nice coming back it's fun and exciting isn't it but yeah it's just nice having that fresh air and bit of space yeah no yeah I, I, I need space definitely um, and, and I did and you know lockdown and everything I think it's probably brought that more into focus for a lot of people and, and forced people to think about lifestyle yeah and yeah and, and, and I think to your point about technology that we both, both need to, to, to you know work in harmony um, it worries discipline worry, to how you use it and how yeah, often you use it yeah um, I mean you know my wife and I probably like everyone just we, we go through stages where like you know, we need to put the phones down and like mm. we ban them we go through stages and particularly with the kids where right they're banned and then they then all of a sudden iPads start slipping into to sort of dinner time because it keeps them quiet but but you know I, I think it's important that you, you you do step away from it and, and detox a little bit and you've got and, physical freedom now from central London you come in here three days a week but you can mm. work from home as well what, what do you have to do sort of like to paint a physical picture of is it just looking at crypto markets and then trying to react to them or well, my, my day my day today yeah. uh, so, so I, I'm trying to build this business um, so I work at a, a company called Paradigm um, so paradigm.co there's, there's, there's different paradigms but yeah um, we're, we're, we're um, uh, a liquidity network for trading crypto derivatives so a, an execution platform for trading uh, uh, crypto derivatives um, what's a crypto derivative so <laughs> a, a, so a derivative yeah, I've heard that in traditional finance yeah in yeah. traditional finance so you have like futures mm. um, which is uh, the, the right to buy the underlying agreed price today at a point in the future. So you have these like derivative products that, that overlay a basic like underlying okay. product. Um, so it's fixed price that accrues wealth because it's set against inflation. So yeah, so, so Joe, it's funny, like, because it's very much a finance kind of term, but actually like, you know, farmers and stuff have been trading derivatives for years. Mm. So if, if I've got, um, as a farmer, I'm, I'm growing a crop, um, but I, I, I kind of want to know that I, I, I'm going to get money for it at a certain, I want to know some certainty yeah. over the price. I might sell a future for like three months time that basically gives you the right to, to, to an, an obligation to buy that off of me for a price today. Yeah. So as a farmer, I've got some certainty so what the value of my of crop is. Are worth exactly. Yeah. So, so, so derivatives in finance is a similar concept. Um, and obviously then we build layers upon layers of, of complexity on top of that. Um, so, so you know this this paradigm. We we are you know we we're, we're building this execution platform for people that want to trade uh, for, and for institutions, um, mm. so big hedge funds um, who are looking to trade crypto derivatives. So my my job is to build the business. Um, so they're kind of betting on a crypto product at a certain price, hoping that then we'll, they'll own something which is worth more. Down the, yeah, and they're, they're trading. They're trading off on the volatility in it. Um, a lot of crypto derivatives options is about trading the volatility. Mm -hmm. So they're making money from like all the price movements within it. So um, much of it's based on anything, isn't it? It's like sport actually in that sense. People say to you, oh, I don't understand that sport. And you think, well, actually the first part is understand the language and what things mean. Yeah, they're not yeah, often that complicated, yeah. but they're just words that have a sort of denoted meaning that you kind of have to use them a number of times until they sort of percolate and yeah. become normal for you. And, and, and it's interesting because I'll, I'll speak to friends about and I'll, I'll drop terms in and yeah. just assuming they're quite common terms <laughs> yeah. and then they're not. Yeah. And you kind of forget, but once you're in that world, it just becomes a language that you will use. So I speak to my wife about VAR or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I've, I've recently got really into the NFL. Yes. And oh, that's um, a proper military language as well. Yeah, like, and, yeah. and you know, I've, I've got a, a WhatsApp group with, with friends who are really into it. And yeah. I'm constantly, what, what does that mean? What does that you mean? You have to say defense, not defense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, it's a fascinating game. And, and the more I get into it, the more, more I'm enjoying it. 
but there's so many different terms and and you know different plays yeah. and things like that that it's often a quite a simple thing yeah. that language makes sound more complicated which i suppose is similar to crypto yeah but um but yeah so, so I'm, I'm i'm busy trying to build the business you know trying to reach out to hedge funds and people that are trading get them onto our platform um, help develop the products um i write some macro commentary and uh and, and stuff as well. Um, try and get a little bit involved on the social media and just mm. building our brand and social media presence. Yeah, I recommend, I recommend your Twitter account, although it can be quite esoteric, can't it? <laughs> I'm looking at it and think, what's this mean? Or, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's very kind of markets. But even like a bear market, and... a bear market's bad, a bull market's good, is that right? Yeah, yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. like once, where's that? That's interesting with the etymology of that because it's like, it's what bears are big and scary and angry but bulls aren't well, necessarily well, happy well, well no, the, no the, the idea of it is, is bears kind of claw you down ah. and then the bull like, like throws you up ah. so like, like ah, bulls and makes, bears that's yeah. cool it's actually quite <laughs> easy to remember when you look at it that yeah. way um, but, and again you know for, if you're in trading you, 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 know, you can make a lot of money in a bear market if you're the right side of it mm. um, so when people say I was a bear market bad or good it's like well yeah, typically the price is going down but yeah um, if you trade, you can make money out of that as well. Um, so typically, actually, fight you know traders like volatility. Just I don't care if it's you know, up or down. Just just give me something that's moving. Because when things are flatlined, it's that's when it becomes boring. It's difficult to make mm. money out of that. What's your general sort of theory for people on finance? Then I suppose, like you said, it a lot of it's pegged to in individual psychology, tolerance of risk, things like that. But is there a the sort of equation you go by? Is it a mood it comes back to emotion, isn't it? Is it sort of a realism mixed with optimism, so, or a cautious pessimism. I don't know how you how you look at it. Yeah, it, Joe, it's it's quite funny. Um, so a lot of traders have a, a very good risk appetite, right? They they're comfortable with the idea of taking risk, hmm. but they also often make most of their money, or, or or the thing they most need to do is protect their downside. So they're often very sort of worried about you know all the things that could go wrong. But um, again, it's like a, it's like maybe like any kind of if you're taking a risk with a business, like all mm. good entrepreneurs, you know, it's it's planning for, you know, all great when things go right. But what what are my downsides? What what are how can I protect the business from the things that can go wrong? Can I foresee the things that go wrong? Mm. And same, I guess you, you know, we go back to football. A good football manager, right? Yeah, great if we go out there and we play well and everything's going well and the game's going according to plan. Mm. What are the risks? Like, what, what could go wrong in the game? And how do we plan for that and mitigate that? If and you're like, under the cosh, yeah. what do you do? And, and probably maybe like the best managers and the best entrepreneurs, the best traders are, are typically the ones that are aware of where their risks are and mm. what the risks are and, and can plan for them accordingly. Is there anything generally to invest in that's enduring? And property's always done well. Yeah. Um, do you think that will continue? What do you think is going to happen in the short term? I think that short term we're, we're hiking rates, and then I, I think no. But again, I, I think there's going to be this sort of reflexive reaction where you know house prices will start to fall. I mean, I mean, I, I'm and that could be a chance if you're trying to ascend the market, which a lot of us are. Would be a time to potentially jump. Yeah, yeah. If um, yeah, when things start to correct, and again, if if your own circumstances are. Like, mm. Do you know what? I, I can now afford this. Um, what's difficult then, as well, when banks pull back on their lending, and it, it yeah. becomes difficult. Try to get your head around what you think a value is and what the market thinks a value is, isn't it? I think sometimes when I look yeah. at products like houses, I think I can't believe it. That's what it's almost a psychological thing. Yeah, and and it, it brings it brings like these really philosophical discussions around what is value. You know, yeah, we talk, discuss what is money, right? And, yeah, you know what is value, and it kind of. Yeah, you know, what, what a lot we, of things in house is individual, isn't it? As well, it's like yeah. how much gardening do you want to do? Do you want to live near shops, bars, restaurants? That is quite subjective. Yeah, and you know what? Uh, again, I, I would you know, people would pay a fortune. We, we're sat in an office in London here. People would pay a fortune to have a one-bedroom flat around here. Mm. And for me, that wouldn't be value. I wouldn't no. pay anything for it, because like, <laughs> um, I want I value space. Yeah, um, they value proximity to the city and, and things like that. So. You know our preferences and what we valued sort of differs, um, but yes, yeah, it's, it's an interesting concept. So you think? Would you think kind of just always have a little bit of money in the background? Is that not overstretch and have fun? With yeah, it? yeah. I, I I think always have an element of you know that 
you know, just fix it so you forget about it. You know, set up a direct debit, pay it into an ISA every month. And, and again, depending on where your risk level is, um, you know, I, I, I talk about like this life strategy fund that Vanguard do, but it, it's like pretty diversified. Um, you, you do the 80-20, so it's like 80% global stocks, 20% bonds. Mm. Not not done well this water. year. Water people invest in water. Is that? Yeah, yeah. People yeah, do invest in water. Solid one, I guess. Yeah, and and you, and yeah, like utilities, um, things like that. Um, is uh, someone said to me a while back? Um, uh, apparently, Kanye West is one of the, the most successful investors, and, and he, his investment philosophy. He he invests in in companies or yeah. products that he likes. Simple as that. Have you heard him talk. <laughs> he is like. He's almost like a computer algorithm running yeah, in real yeah. time, verbally. It's yeah. amazing, just the stuff he can articulate and come up with across yeah. the wide, very different arenas of life, seemingly. Yeah, but, it, but it's amazing to think that actually, that, you know, the world of investment doesn't have to be that complex um, in terms of, you know, you look at things that you like and see being used, it's mm. probably quite a good thing to invest your money in. Well, like I said, if things are going up and salaries aren't going up as much as them, you need to be in something yeah. that is going up, similar to the... Yeah. But but I, I, I do think it's important and, and I understand people's risk aversion and no one likes to think of you know the value of their capital going down but I, I kind of try and impress this idea upon people that it's going down in a way but you mm. just don't you don't feel it or see it so much. Um, so I think you do want to own assets and okay you know you think about where your risk tolerance is within that um, but it's important that you own some sort of assets, otherwise the value of the currency that, that you mm. own will will over time become worth less and less. Yes. Um, and you need to think about where the hurdle rate is of what kind of return you need to sustain a, a level of lifestyle. Mm. And, and that will factor in, in, in into the kind of level of risk you take. But uh, yeah, I, I think it, I would start with everyone say, look, even if it's five pounds a week you can put away, yeah. put that away. And, and, and it's amazing how it, the, the power of magic of compound interest over mm. time sort of builds up. Um, I do it with my kids. Um, it's like habits, classes. isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I try and take my kids like birthday money and things like that they'll get from people and I put that into their ISAs because they, they don't need more toys. <laughs> but, <laughs> how does that go down? But you know, they, they don't really know and they forget. The toy and, thing's scary, isn't it? And, it's and a yeah. proper addiction. You, you can see it. Sort oh, of, yeah. It's, yeah. It's almost like be like the, the kill job it's almost like grotesque like on a Christmas morning and yeah. just kind of ripping through presents with no real you know it's just it's, it's just the process of opening more it's a dopamine presents. hit isn't it yeah it's a dopamine hit every time and then they put the thing down and next one next one I think it was like that for us but I think also there was less presents weren't ubiquitous like you go into any store now supermarket there's cuddly toys that check out and you're often having to fight your child about oh, yeah it's, it's yeah. almost like there's no end to it and I, I don't know whether we're just softer, like than mm. perhaps our parents' generation. I mean, I, I remember, you know, you'd, you'd have to wait six months till Christmas to yeah. get to get that toy, and now it's kind of you give in, and they 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 it's easy sort to sort of get it, buy it as well, isn't it? The online yeah. that's part of the navigating the modern world as well. And, and, and maybe again, social media and everything, things are just far more in your face now, mm. and, um, and kind of being targeted as well. Um, so I think there's just a bigger pressure. Um, they were all those. It's been brilliant to catch up mate you look great and I think it's really interesting in trying to explain these issues really well and I think for a lot of us trying to get our head around it and this idea of of intellectual and emotional complexity and money and being a, a construct in that sense that's not really physical like food is something that we has an inherent value to it or shelter but I guess to wrap up because I've spent a lot of your time here how important is it to, for us to have, retain a sense of, of optimism because it feels like a lot of our sort of structure is founded upon that. Yeah, I, I, I think um, I think it's hugely important. And again, if I look at success in life, people that are successful, a common trait in all of them is optimism. Mm. And I think you need to be optimism, optimistic. And I think I am because I think generally life works out right. And you know, there, there's a lot of problems in society, like for sure. But I, I kind of you know, in, in many ways, I think we probably live at the best time it's mm. ever been to live. Like, technology's made a lot of our lives easier. I, I think even on, on areas of sort of race and gender, mm. um, all these things, whilst not, you know, perfect, perfect yeah. um, and we've got a long way to go, um, we're probably more accepting as a society of, of some of these issues than we ever were. Mm. And I say, that's not to rest on our laurels. Less violent society, things like that, yeah. Yeah, and, um, and so I, I kind of think it's easy, and, and there's this weird, um, 
yeah, I think in every generation you kind of like look, look, look back through rose-tinted glasses, our things were better back in our day. Um, but I, I don't think we live at a bad time. And I think optimism is important because you know, like life, life does generally kind of work out um, and you, you have to believe in that and believe in a better tomorrow. Yeah. Um, because what else have you got? <laughs> but but I, and yeah and, and I think there's a lot. And if you if you can believe that you you know you can be like the the sort of master of that destiny um, mm. and try living from from that perspective. And I, I know put your intention on the yeah and, and what you want and and start at least start you know taking steps towards what can I do today to improve my life for tomorrow. Mm. Um, and I think that starts with a positive mindset and. Um, you know, just starting to, to direct your thoughts towards a better tomorrow, then it's amazing how, you know, the little serendipitous moments and coincidences yeah. will unfold, you know, to, to kind of get you there. But it's important that you, you have an optimism about where you want to go, otherwise you'll, you'll, you'll never get there. So, so yeah, hugely important. <laughs> Still a West Ham fan? Still a West Ham optimistic fan. Optimistic about um, where, they, where they can recover from. They're definitely t- testing that level of optimism <laughs> right now. Um, so, so, yeah, yeah it's a d- difficult season. You know, we, we had a great season last season, obviously. Yeah. Um, it's been a really slow start. Um, well, that risk-rewards plays out in sort of people's like David Moyes' philosophy, isn't it? That sometimes he struggles a little bit with that abandonment maybe you need sometimes to chase games that people, yeah. so people like him to Sir Alex Ferguson, that he would just throw the kitchen sink at everything in the last 15 minutes of games. Yeah, and, and you know, as, as football fans, it's kind of what we want. Um, mm. And the, the, the other thing, like, um, I think it's like increasingly, like everything's about experience, right? And, uh, and I, I think about my life um, and any regrets I have were, do you know what, it's about the experience of, of mm. being in the moment, trying things, failing, risking foul, and not, not kind of feeling this need for safety all the time. Mm. And I think even fans now, like, you know, definitely you look at the premiership, we, you know, it's not just about winning anymore, it's about how you win. Yeah. Like, you know, everyone wants the Pep Guardiola, the, the Jurgen Klopp style of football, but it's important because everyone wants to be entertained. Yeah. Um, and I actually think there's an element that, you know, football fans would take not winning over, you know, if, if we're playing exciting football every week. Yeah, I think there is more money now, actually, yeah, in terms of mm. paying a lot of money to capture, like you say, it is entertainment, yeah. different thing. Yeah. Hey, Dave, great to catch up. Really appreciate it. Yeah, time. likewise. Ed. And people can follow you online as well? Um, yeah, you, you can follow me on Twitter. Yeah. Um, at, at D, at D Bukel 80. 80. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, giving away my age. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, no, it's been great. Good to catch up, Ed. You too. Glad you're going well. Thank you, Dave. What a guy, Dave Bukel. Really fantastic footballer, which you'd be self-deprecating about, but brilliant dribbling, attacking left back full of skill and verve, a really good guy as well. Um, good to catch up with him. I think he should, could have gone far in football if he stayed in there under 16 level, stayed at West Ham, but chose that route. And I know that at university he had a great reputation for his financial acumen, his understanding of economics, and hopefully that came through there as well. And then you gained something from that as I did, and it's really good to catch up with him. I'm going to do a few podcasts with people from Loughborough University, big sports university in the UK who I went to university with and went on to various different avenues but had that basis of a love of sport hope you enjoyed that please rate it on itunes whatever you listen to it on that'd be fantastic thank you to the sponsors bang olufsen of cheltenham and serene av specialists in some of the finest home entertainment brands providing solutions based around high quality customer service and installations if you're looking to optimize your immunity maybe vitamin d3 vitamin d3 you may call it as we head into winter in the northern hemisphere not so much sunlight around certainly in this part of the world in england uh, you may want to check that out at cytoplan.co.uk. The discount code is DRAPER10R, my last name, D-R-A-P-E-R, all capital letters, the numerals one zero, and the capital letter R. And look at the whole Man Academy free mentoring session as well with Anthony Asprey. A lot of topics we riffed on there with Dave, perhaps around life and finance and well-being that Anthony would give you steering, steerage on, just hear you out for free. It's something he charges good money for normally but has offered the podcast sport and life five complimentary sessions a month check out the link in the show notes thank you for listening to the podcast and have a fantastic week goodbye for now mm-hmm.